Let's turn to Romans 8. We're still in Romans 8. We are progressing in it. We're getting down there to verse 29. That's where we are today. As long as we that close to the end, let's read from uh, 28 through 31, okay? And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's bow our heads. Father, another precious portion of thy word, deep and yet simple. The words are sixth grade English, easy to understand. It's the reasoning of man that makes it so difficult. Lord, teach us from thy word. Bless each one here, each family represented, looking upon our sick ones. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Like I said to Brother Mushmag just a while ago, one week we're at war, and next week we don't have any. And it's because I think of the wonderful leadership that we have. The Lord's blessings, of course, but our president did a great job, and everybody ought to appreciate him. Really, really did a fine job. Now, one of the concerns in war are landmines. You know, you're reading about more people now that, that, that kill more people in Vietnam than anything else. And now, every day, somebody's getting killed by a landmine. So that's where my first sentence started in our message here. Our message today is in verse 29, having to do with foreknowledge, whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Two words, foreknow and predestinate. Now, every once in a while, we run into a minefield that religious pretenders and imitators either skip completely or else enter to their own self-destruction. It's not that the words are hard or even that the thoughts are not simple and basic. It's just that man wants a God that he can control and outthink. The God of the Bible is a God of knowledge, of everything past, of everything present, of everything future. Now, it's with everything future that our word foreknow deals with today. On the verse above there, Paul kind of ran ahead of himself when he said, and called according to his purpose. Now he's going to retrace his steps and tell us what sets up the calling of God's elect. Now, from my own observation, most people say they believe in a God, a general all-around God who is there and yet isn't there, 
A God who is everywhere to observe things and distant enough is not to get involved with the affairs of people. A God who made rules but who will not enforce them. A God who makes promises and will not keep them. A God who offers redemption to all mankind if they will accept it and leaves a decision with them. And as to knowledge, they believe that God learns as time progresses. Now, any of those outlooks about God can be corrected by reading God's word. It's just impossible to learn about God apart from his written word. Now, foreknowledge is one of those attributes of God that people are afraid to learn about because it puts them at God's disposal. It puts them into the hand of the Creator to actively work out every detail in a person's life. Why would anyone grant God the great power to know of things past, like the creation of all the stars, and not only to number them, but to call them all by name? That, that's always a good scripture to look at, because it's totally amazing. Look at Psalm 147.4. 147, Psalm 147.4. Psalms is in the middle of the Bible. Now this is amazing, and it's a statement in God's word. Psalm 147.4 says, He telleth the number of the stars, so they can be numbered. Not only that, he calleth them all by their names. Great is our Lord, and of great power, his understanding is infinite. That means eternal. Only by God could do this. Now, he knows all things present, like the number of the hairs on your head. And then, for someone to think that he does not understand that he knew everyone that he was going to die for, See, people don't like that. They like to think that they can jump in and get into the family of God by making their decision. It don't work like that. You see, this foreknowledge in our verse is about God's elect. Those who are the called according to his purpose, it's a foreknowledge encased in an eternal love. There's an eternal love for each individual that Christ died for. Eternal, I'm talking about long before you were ever born. Now look at Jeremiah 31.3. Jeremiah 31.3. Now Jeremiah is a little to the right of the Psalms. 31.3. The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, and therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. And that's what he does to everyone that comes to Christ, draws them. Now, the word foreknow has three 
significations or three meanings. A general knowledge of things before they come into existence. That's number one, just a general knowledge. Number two is a knowledge accompanied by a decree, like in Acts 2.23. Well, let's see what Acts 2.23 says. Acts is right after John. Acts 2.23. Him being delivered by the determinant counsel and foreknowledge of God, that means the Lord Jesus Christ taken and slain, was done because of the determinant counsel and foreknowledge of God. Now that is to say by the ordinance and providence of God. God foreknows what will be by determining what shall be. God's foreknowledge cannot in itself be the cause of any event. But events must be produced by his decree and ordination. It's not because God foresees a thing that it is decreed. People all have the carriage running before the horse. But he foresees it because it is ordained by him to happen in the order of his providence. Now all the foreknowledge of future events then is founded on the decree of God. Consequently, he determined with himself from eternity everything he executes in time. Now look at Acts 15, 18. You're still in Acts. Turn over to Acts 15, verse 18. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Now, Peter uses the word foreknowledge for believers in 1 Peter 1, 2. And in the same chapter in verse 20, uses foreordained in speaking of Christ. Look at 1 Peter 1, 2. 1 Peter 1, 2. Where it says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. But now look at verse 20, the same chapter. Speaking about Christ being the Lamb of God, shedding his blood, says, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Now, one is in Christ, and the other is Christ, both being foreknown before the foundation of the world. That's 2 Timothy 1.9, one of the great scriptures concerning God, God's foreknowledge and our election. You see, when you use a scripture like this, you don't wear it out. It's always there. We can always go to it. Verse 9, 2 Timothy 1 says, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. 
Now, the third use of the word for know consists in a knowledge of love and protection, and in this sense it signifies to choose and recognize as his own. Look at Romans 11.2. Romans 11.2. God hath not cast away his people which he foreknew. Now, the no in Scripture is often taken in a sense of knowing with affection, loving, approving. Look at 1 Corinthians 8.3. 1 Corinthians 8.3. But if any man love God, the same is known of him. Knowing is loving. Galatians 4.9. A little bit further to the back of the book, Galatians 4.9. But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, you see, this is the language of the scriptures. To know is to love. And then, of course, with the Galatians, he has to jump on their case. How turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage once you have known the love of God? Now, maybe this will clear to you a scripture in Matthew. Look at Matthew 7, verse 23. Matthew 7, 23. You see, it's mysterious. It, it's going to stay mysterious even though we, we read it over and over. But it might clear up a little bit about that word no. It's verse 23 says, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Now, and then he says, depart from me ye that work iniquity. That is to say, he never loved or acknowledged them, although he knew perfectly well their character and works, because he described them above that. He said, huh, they prophesied in my name, they've cast out demons, they've done many wonderful works, but I never loved them. I never knew them. Okay? So in our verse today, the third meaning of the word foreknow is used. Those whom God foreknew, those whom he before loved, chose, acknowledged as his own, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. The apostle does not speak of all, but some. Look at that in verse 33. Okay, now it's back to our Romans 8, and it's going to be verse 33, Romans 8. Thirty-three is going to isolate those whom are foreknown and predestined. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? You see it? That's what this is all about. 
He calls them God's elect. Now notice, not anything in their persons or belonging to them, but the persons themselves whom it is said that God foreknew. And he adds that those he foreknew, he also predestinated to be conformed to the image of his Son, and whom he predestinated, he also called and justified and glorified, all in the past tense. You see, we're now catching up to last week's lesson on calling, because calling comes in here again. Now, false religion, so eager to credit their faith to themselves, say that God's foreknowledge is a foreknowledge of faith and good works. This cannot be because foreknowledge is before predestination. And faith is the effect of predestination. Look at Acts 13.48. Acts 13.48. This is a great scripture. You've got to underline this one. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord, and as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. It can't mean the foreknowledge of good works, because these are the effects of predestination also. Take a look at Ephesians 2.10. See how good works fit in here. Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Even your good works, every single one of them are ordained by God. And like we said last week, our calling depends upon nothing but God's purpose and grace. That's what the scriptures said. Now, all the called of God are foreknown by him. That is, they are objects of his eternal love, and their calling comes from this free love. And we read about that free love in Jeremiah 31, 3. It says, I have called thee... I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Everlasting happens to have no beginning and no end. You can't figure out the length or breadth of that one. Now the next part of our verse. After the foreknowing, it says, He also did predestinate. Take a look at it. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. Okay? Now, foreknowledge and predestination are distinguished. The one is the choice of persons and the other the destination of those persons to the blessings for which they are designed. To predestinate signifies to appoint beforehand to some particular end. For instance, look at Ephesians 1, 5, and 11. Ephesians 1, 5, and 11.
says, having predestinated us under the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. You can't, you cannot refer to anything in our salvation that you have done, I have done, anybody has done, but it's according to the good pleasure of his will. Now look at verse uh, uh, verse 11. And it says, In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according, and then again that predestination is according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his will. So we find that word predestinated to be children in verse 5 and predestinated to have an inheritance in verse 11. It has to do with events, things. And it's easy to see that all men are not included in our verse, but only those on whom God has placed his love from eternity and on whom he purposes to give them life in Jesus Christ. Here's where the modern evangelist goes screaming to the outhouse. God knows those that are his. Now look at 2 Timothy 2.19. 2 Timothy 2.19. Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand sure. In other words, your salvation stands sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And there's always warnings attached to almost everything good in here. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. That's to be understood. Now, this number that the Lord knoweth that are his is absolute and complete. So it is definite and the number who are predestinated can neither be increased nor diminished. No additions or deletions from the Lamb's book of life or else our God would be changeable and he isn't. Now this Lamb's book of life is a precious, precious phrase for me out of God's word and it can be found in some awful places and an awful place is in Revelation 13 8 because this is the Antichrist chapter he's riding high in Revelation 13 but right smack dab in the middle of it it speaks of the Lamb's book of life Last part of it, whose names are not written. That's everybody on the face of this earth whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. They're going to they're worship Antichrist. Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Boy, am I glad for jewels like that. You can read the horrible things about Antichrist and then come up with our victorious Lord all of his people safe, planned from eternity to save sinners and the destruction of Antichrist. You see, he hasn't come yet. 
You think Saddam Hussein was bad? Oh, wait till you see the daddy. Wait till you see Antichrist. Then this world's going to be in trouble. Now, the foundation of predestination is Jesus Christ, by whom we receive the adoption of children. Its object is man, not invested with any quality which moves God to predestinate him, but as corrupted and guilty in Adam, dead in trespasses and sins, until something happens. What's that? Until he's quickened by God. Look at Ephesians 2.1. Ephesians 2.1 explains that so simply. And you hath he quickened, that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. It's like a spiritual resurrection. The light goes on. The darkness is dispelled. For once you see things as they are. In reality, spiritual things. Foreknowing and predestinating to a blessing called salvation. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.9. I don't know if we've ever had that one before. That seems like a strange number to me. 1 Thessalonians 5.9. No, we've read that before. This is a great one. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the election of some and the passing by of others, the wisdom of God is manifested. For by this means he displays both his justice and mercy. Otherwise, one of these perfections would not have appeared at all. If all had been saved from their state of corruption, the justice of God would not have manifested itself in their punishment. If none had been chosen, his mercy would not have been seen. Now, in the salvation of these, God has displayed his grace and in the punishment of sin in others, he has discovered to us his justice and hatred of iniquity. This doctrine of election is full of consolation and is the true source of Christian assurance. For who can shake this foundation which is more firm than that of the heavens and the earth? The sheep whom God has given to his Son by predestination, no one can pluck out of his hands. Ah, uh, you know that scripture, huh? John 10, 28. You want to read it? John 10, 28. John 10, whatever you mention, John 10. Now, that's the sheep chapter. That's the shepherd and the sheep, the shepherd dying for the sheep. But John 10, 28, so beautiful. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish, and neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Our Lord Jesus Christ has all power in heaven and earth. Now, 
here is the rest of the verse that we have in Romans 8.29. This being predestinated is to be conformed to the image of his Son. Now here's what we're going to learn. That the elect are in time distinguished from others by being conformed to the image of Christ. You may not have even wondered how this takes place. But first of all, it's in sufferings and afflictions. Our Lord was called a man of sorrows in Isaiah 53.3. Now please don't misunderstand the gospel call and think that you're going to laugh your way to heaven. The servant is not greater than his Lord, and our Lord taught that in John 15.20, and we're in John, so turn a couple pages and look at it. John 15.20. He says, Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. There's not much keeping of sayings, and not many kept our Lord's sayings, and not many hear what God's messenger has to say. It goes in one ear and out the other. From being poor to being persecuted, our Lord led the field. We suffer nothing or walk nowhere that Christ hasn't been before us. Look at 1 Peter 2.21. 1 Peter 2.21. Talking about us being called. We're talking about being predestinated. Well, here it says, For even hereunto were ye called... Because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. Called to suffer for the Lord. Surely they that fancy to themselves an easy life, free from all kinds of sufferings and molestations, must seek another leader. They are not in Christianity. 2 Timothy 2. 11 and 12. 2 Timothy 2, 11 and 12. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. And if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. And if we deny him, he also will deny us. Now, next, God has chosen for us to be like his Son in holiness. We have a scripture in Philippians 2.5. Let's see what that says. Philippians 2.5 said, Let this mind be in you which also was, was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, 
Oh, that obedience was for you and me, not for himself. He didn't have to do any of that for himself. Because he did. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, a lot of folks say, well, I know that hasn't happened. I know a lot of people who haven't and who say they're not going to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't worry. They will. You see, you have a shot here in this life of becoming a worshiper of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't. And you have no choice. But if you don't, you will bow before him in the day of judgment. You will hear him say, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, right now, you have the opportunity to fall at his feet, call him Lord, and ask for mercy, and he'll give you mercy. See, that's what preaching is about. It's to inform you of facts from God's word. Uh, turn to Hebrews 12.10. Hebrews 12.10. Another little bit of facts here. For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasures, talking about mums and dads. But he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness that we might live a life of patience and holiness and contempt for the world, for God wouldn't afflict us except it be for our profit. You don't punish your kids to sit back and laugh at them. You do it for their good. And so does God afflict us for our good. He does not grieve his children willingly, but as there is a need and a cause. And it's a sign of our communion with Christ. You say, where's that? That's 1 John 2.16. Way in the back of the Bible, 1 John 2.16. That doesn't seem to be the scripture I want. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away, and the lust of it, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I still don't think that's the scripture I wanted. And last, we are conformed to Christ to show us not only what to do, but what we may expect. All right. Look at now while you're there in First John, look at First John three two. Now here's something you can expect. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear 
We should be like him, for we shall see him as he is. See, there's no doubt about our being with the Lord Jesus Christ when he appears. Whether we're with him already or whether we're here on earth holding the fort, we'll be with him. Who in the world much cares about that except God's people? Anxiously looking to be with him. Now, I said things that we may expect. Well, it says we shall see him. But what condition are we going to be in? Well, this is what's great news. Look at Philippians 3.21. Love this verse. Speaking about our Lord Jesus Christ coming back again, look at verse 20. It says, For our conversation is in heaven, they like to change that in other books to citizenship, but no, our conversation's in heaven. We talk of heavenly things. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who's going to do what? Well, boy, this is what's great. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. Oh, how hard we work to make these vile bodies presentable to other people. I mean, exercise, eat right, take vitamins, get fresh air, drink good water. And the best that you can come up with is a vile body. Why? Because the life of the flesh is in the blood, and our blood is tainted. But we're going to have a glorious body like his, just like his. Flesh and bone, different kind of flesh. I can't explain it to you. A wonderful body like his. Isn't that worth looking forward to? No pain, no crying, no sorrow, eternal life, glorious things. Just to see the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ will satisfy you forever. And then to be able to see him over and over and over again, you go you go out of your skull in glory and in joy. That's what the Lord has in store for his people. And of course, the gospel invitation is open to anyone to come to him. You don't come to him by joining a church by even reading the Bible, nothing like that. You come to the Lord Jesus Christ as a lost sinner begging for mercy. If you beg for mercy, he'll give you mercy and you're one of his. Now, isn't that simple? Isn't that easy? No, it's not. Because self-righteousness and pride and activity in the world and ambitions in the world all fight against you bowing at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you will, if you're one of his. Let's bow our heads. Father, we ask thy blessing upon this few simple words. Bless this people, each one here, each family represented, and those that couldn't make it. Ask you to look in upon those that aren't here this morning. We pray these things in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Okay, you got 15 minutes.